Peace be to this house. Peace with me with all that are in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. What we hear from our gospel reading today sounds like an issue found so common in sports. And that's the time of the year for sports, right? Yesterday, Nebraska and Michigan State was on. And we know what happens in sports. Parents and fans can throw a fit when the coach decides the second string needs some time to play. And you know how it can, what the words can be said. They're going to make us lose the game. What are you doing? Or maybe for a parent, my son or daughter's in the first string and the college is our here. They got to see how good they are. What are you doing? Of course, there are far more serious matters than good team sports. What John told Jesus about someone casting out demons in his name continues what the disciples were actually having problems with shaking off. They had just argued between one another about that big topic, who's the greatest? And you know the story, Jesus set them straight by putting a little child right in front of their midst. Status was still on their minds when questioning the work of this outsider. Now, there's no first string or second string. The spirit, we know, blows as he pleases with the gospel. For the one who is not against us is for us, Jesus says. And as Lutherans, we confess from the catechism about that third article of the creed, the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ and the one true faith. This is not about ignoring false doctrine, so get that out of your mind. And it's not about having good church order, but the mystery and the work of faith belongs alone to God's word. You know how St. Paul says it so well in Romans chapter 10. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And since then, there's lots of room for stumbling, as we know. Christ promises the salt of his gospel renders the better service for the sake of his church. Any kind of stumbling can bring loss, right? Any kind. And you know it all the more when you get older. One little mess up, one misstep, <laughs> hip surgery. Or maybe even death. Which means when we're looking at the body, it should make us consider heavily the condition of our soul. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. 
the little ones, are any that has faith in Jesus, but are led to sin, he says. And you can translate this in a far better way. You can translate that word sin to stumble into unbelief. It's just the word to stumble. Because any sin, act, word, or deed is finally unbelief. That's what he's talking about. Jesus traces this kind of stumbling back to the, the danger found in our hands and in our feet and in our eyes. Hands hold to the wrong securities that show our idols. Feet go off in selfish ways that abandon our love God and for one another. Eyes, of course, you know, look to the things of men and not to the things of, of God. All within our members, Jesus is talking. And you know what he's really getting at, right? All that language of cutting it off ain't going to help you a bit. Because by the time you're done cutting it all off, there'll be nothing left of any of us. What's he getting at? Jesus wants to have us avoid hell by taking to issue the extreme nature of what we really must face beyond our body. Stumbling runs deeper into our sinful hearts, the sinful nature, as we say. St. Paul says quite well in Ephesians, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so without Christ, all would lead to the fires of hell. But he didn't stumble, did he? The perfect Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, born without sin. No, he did not. His perfect eyes and feet and hands bound love to the cross. And nobody else has that boast but Jesus. And it's interesting, at the same time, sins of thought, word, and deed rage up in our lives, and we're to repent. Knowing our stumbling can cause more harm than to ourselves, but literally cause others to fall in faith to Christ. At the same time, this warning also protects you, each of you, from any that would sin against you and leave faith to be lost in our Lord. And yet, if stumbling comes closest to my own sinful nature, we can point and say, well, this person made me not go to church, or this person or pastor did this. That's fine. And maybe there is sin that caused us and stumbled us into unbelief. Here's the big hard thing to hear. If stumbling comes closest to my hands and my feet and my eyes, my sinful nature, then I am more deadly to myself than anybody else I know. Jesus gave a serious warning because being the Savior, he sees the injustice against any of his believing little ones to be lost. 
He loves you too much, even more than you love yourself, to have you turn away in faith to him. And so since our sinful nature only knows stumbling, we found this out pretty well from sickness, but from other issues in politics and Christ gives the salt of his gospel as the great agent against the fires of hell. For everyone, he says, will be salted with fire. This fire that he speaks of is not like eternal hell fire that won't be ever quenched. Fire here takes on the characteristic of salt with the purpose of something we don't always think of. Salt is for purifying and cleansing things. Think about that in terms of when you get a sore throat, you're supposed to gargle with salt water, right? To a degree, it comes, this purification, by the trials that God at times lets fall upon our lives, as you know, to test the genuineness of your faith. So that in the end, you flee to Christ. Or all is lost. Again, there is that purifying fire that our Lord brings at his return that we pray for. Thy kingdom come and all that glory to purify all that stands against his kingdom in the church that belongs to him. Above all, though, this salting with fire is for everyone now. Right now. Whenever the preaching of God's law shows our sins and the gospel, delivering need of the blessing of forgiveness, life and victory in Jesus alone. For you know what it says in Hebrews, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The media can't even do that. But the means of God's word does fall upon our hearts to awaken hope among us. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Salt here now is moving and changing because it refers to something of what he says is good. He declares it good and keeps it good by his word. He says this to you, his church. The saints that believe in him. Out of Pentecost came the purified salt Moses longed to have. But we see what Jesus did out of Pentecost. What did Moses say today in the Old Testament reading? The very end. Oh, that the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Baptism now pours out this promise upon child and adult alike, since Christ makes all little ones by faith in his name. You are salt by the righteous work of Jesus alone. 
And those justified by that kind of grace, that gift, are set before a world of unrighteousness. You understand this? You have been caught up in a world with myself, in a world of unrighteousness, of works and the law. In the end, that will not save. But you are salt. Because Jesus has saved you by his righteous sacrifice for all who believe. Saltiness remains only from Christ. This kind of saltiness, or all is lost. Since he gave himself, St. Paul says, for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself, there's the salt language, to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The issue of status repeatedly arose for the disciples. This is not the first case in Mark, and this is not the last case that you'll find in the Gospel of Mark. And this is the same case that pulls upon the visible church throughout history. So don't think of these times to be much different than far than other times. And yet Jesus sets before them and us an invitation that we already have the salt. When he says, have salt in yourselves, he's not asking you to do something. He's telling you, you already have it. His word and sacrament are a fellowship created and claimed by him in the gospel. And so our works do not secure this salt. God's word and spirit comes, you could say, to salt us with Jesus. For he has died and rose, giving us his means of grace. This forgiveness by God does purge. It purges out the pride, the fear, the offense, and lives of sin rooted in selfishness to keep us with peace among ourselves. But that's only with eyes fixed on Jesus and what he brings by his hands and his feet and what he speaks. The annual Life Center banquet last week rallied to support, as you know, the burden in Wabash County. Having attended three years now, it was refreshing to notice a good trend, the growing support by churches and pastors, because as my wife reminded me, when we first went and they asked the pastors to stand, there was only like less than a handful, maybe like three. This time there was more than, than that by far. It was really this kind of a thing, a cause, isn't it? That no Christian can leave silent because God is about life. And he's not about the status of any person. If this is to be the natural life, the right to life, so faith in Christ is a gift of life worked by God that needs our respect. Since there's lots of room then for stumbling, 
Christ promises. The salt of his gospel renders the better service for the sake of his church to be his church. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.